Hello everybody and welcome back to the Catch Cape podcast. Today we are on episode number five and guess where we will be going? We are going to Guatemala. So this is just on the left hand side of Belize. So last week you would have seen we did some touring around Belize. So now we're entering into Guatemala. Guatemala is jam packed with things to do, activities. It's such a biodiverse country um, and there's so much to explore. So I'm going to try and squeeze in as much as I can. But yeah, there's just that country is really, really like popular with backpackers and yeah, explorers and people wanting to discover jungles and rainforests and um you know work with the turtles on the pacific coast like it's just jam packed so it is an amazing country and i hope you will enjoy today's session also just before we begin i want to say thank you to the new patreons who joined this week regina and mira thank you so much for joining legends <laughs> um yeah I can't do this without you guys so thank you so much and let's get going on our journey. So my first stop when I entered Guatemala was Flores and last week I mentioned about crossing the border so this was the first town I entered and they have close by a biosphere reserve national park called Tikal and you can do this as like a day trip so again, it's like a 4 a.m. wake up or actually I think that was like a 3 a.m. wake up. I don't even think I slept that night. I think I slept like two hours because I was so conscious of the bus coming and that I might miss it and I'd miss the sunrise. So basically a bus comes and takes a group of us to the national park and you kind of walk through the jungle rainforest until you reach ruins they're there again they're like Mayan ruins so very old this would be so interesting for anybody intro into um, archaeology or yeah history in general but there's a massive rainforest around it and it actually is part of a larger biosphere reserve so it's protected and it actually goes into a larger reserve with Mexico as well and it is noted as the second largest tract of rainforest outside of the Amazon, which is like amazing and holds so much biodiversity. Like in that park itself, we got to hear and observe monkeys. There was two species of monkeys. The howler monkey was out in the morning at like 5, 5 a.m. And like I remember lying on the ancient ruins and it, the, the noises inside the jungle, like it would silence you. And I always feel that when I'm in nature, you know, when there's so much abundant wildlife, it just silences you. Um, but yeah, it's just so amazing that like a group of us could sit as bystanders and listen to nature coming alive in the morning. It's just, oh, it's just amazing. And even in my everyday life now, like I, I always aim to be up when the sun is coming because that is when like the biodiversity is at its most powerful, like, you know. Um, the birds are up, the wildlife are going around, people are getting up to go feeding um, and it's just very exciting you know when the sun comes back around or when we turn on our axis whatever way you want to look at it um, it's just a beautiful time to be up. So it could be a little 
tip for you to try this week try to get outside before the sun rises and just feel the rays come onto your face as the very first rays you know it's just it's beautiful experience and it's uh it's also to do with the circadian rhythm of the body because our bodies aren't separate from nature as as we know already and we rely on the sun as well for you know energy into the body and the sun is our source of energy and I think we all know like when the sun doesn't come out and it's pure cloud like you you really feel the pull it's just like oh I've no energy um because that is the energy source of earth and all beings on earth and this week we had uh, about three days of clouds and rain and uh, today the sun came out so I was like yes and we should have sun for a couple of days so I'm happy about that so anybody who's listening below the equator or in the tropics um, be very grateful that the sun is always there shining and the season is always the same because here sometimes yeah it can be a bit hard um, when you don't get that light that natural light um, but yeah that's just a little suggestion so within this park you could also see jaguars unfortunately the day we went we didn't get to see them but it was still amazing I loved just exploring around the trees and looking up and seeing these huge monkeys in there <laughs> Um, just super cool watching them in their natural habitat and playing with one another and watching them in their eating habits and then we could like climb the pyramids and all the ruins and learn about the Mayans and yeah all the different birds as well and parrots and it was amazing and our tour guide actually was a previous operator for National Geographic so that was really cool he had so much experience and yeah we could learn so much from him so the next place I visited in Guatemala was an area known as Lanquin and within Lanquin there is another forest and it has these beautiful turquoise natural pools with like limestone pavements and this is called Simuk Champé. It is essentially like a jungle paradise. It's absolutely spectacular and like the bus ride I took there... <laughs> I actually didn't want to go there first because I was like oh my god the journey was a little bit yeah horrific because you can imagine going over all these mountains and jungles and the roads aren't paved very well so it's like up down up down up down and (laughs) you've like these uh kind of timed uh toilet breaks so you never know when you can go to the toilet either so you just you don't drink anything and then it's roasting hot so some of the journeys can be like a bit hard but we got there in the end and it was definitely worth it I stayed in a hostel high up in like the kind of mountain mountainous jungle and you could barely see the huts because it was just so enclosed in, in all these beautiful shrubs and trees and oh just amazing and the little room I had was it's quite funny but like if you're not into wildlife or sleeping around animals or species you might not like it but my room had no door on it it literally had stairs up to like can you imagine kind of like an attic an attic style room so I'd climb up the stairs with my big huge backpacks (laughs) And like there was like six beds in there and they had these like nets, you know, like the princess nets, like mosquito nets over the beds. So I slept in that the first night 
and I had met um, an Australian couple. They were super lovely. And the guy was like, you're not sleeping up here. You're not sleeping with the spiders. Come to our bedroom. You can sleep on the ground with us. And I was like, no, I'm fine. I don't mind the spiders. But yeah, they didn't want me sleeping in the wild. Um, but I was like, guys, literally, I have a, a mosquito net. It's fine. But yeah, so in the end, I think I stayed there the first night. And then the next night they were like, just stay in our room. But with plenty of room. So I went to their room with a mattress and I slept on the ground. And um, sure, I'm sure there was more spiders on the ground than up in the attic. But I loved it. It was amazing. And you can imagine as well the kind of accommodation. Like there was no, barely any plugs. Uh, Wi-Fi was just, it didn't exist. And they had a lovely swimming pool up at the very top across kind of another mountain ridge so you had to kind of climb up there the showers were outside and yeah I, I really loved it I loved the natural lifestyle and the way of living so I did two kind of day tours there one was a day where we went exploring caves and we used candles to go into the caves yeah very um very modern indeed and yeah it was amazing absolutely incredible and our guide kind of like like at some parts like the water was up to our necks and we had to like pull ourselves along a rope and then we go down a ladder then we go through a really narrow place and then we get to like these waterfalls inside the caves and you'd get to like jump off these rocks from really high up now I don't even know like is this like legal or is it dangerous but we just did it anyway you know we just followed on and did it you kind of have to just let your fears behind and embrace it and after the cave exploring we came out we got to use this swing I'd say the swing was about like 15 metres in length, you know, like the ropes. And then you you swing from the actual side of the pavement out into this river basin, so this fast flowing river. And you're kind of like, um, where where do I go once I land into the river? And you, you literally just go out, you fall into the river off the swing. And then you have to kind of like get yourself back up onto land as you get towards the end. So you really got to just be like, let's go let's do it yeah it's amazing so I did my swing jump I did a couple of them because you you kind of get braver as well as you do more and more and more and you get more thrill and more adrenaline and you you can become addictive um but yeah at one point then like I went so fast down the river I'd grab onto this huge branch and like pull myself up onto the land like at times you could be like god I was so lucky nothing happened to me do you know then after that we went exploring up really high you got to go to this mirador like this viewing spot so we climbed up these steps a good few hundred steps and we got to look down at the beautiful turquoise pools absolutely stunning and like at this point like you're super hot because you're hiking and you just can't wait to get back down and like jump into the pools so we got back down then and we went around and swam in these gorgeous like crystal clear pools and we even got to do these slide jumps so you just kind of sit down on the limestone pavement and you just kind of push yourself away and you just go flying down <laughs> and you just fall into the water but at one point like I went on to one kind of slide and yeah it wasn't it wasn't uh, pretty I scraped all the side of my thigh so like I was like kind of bleeding and scratched all down the side of my leg and sure the lads were laughing away laughing their heads off I was like yeah whatever next up I went on a tubing tour and this kind of happened by surprise because I hadn't planned it at all but the hostel were looking for basically an interpreter 
and they had nobody in to do the tour in English. So they were like, hey, you speak Spanish. And I had already been kind of helping them in the hostel with their paperwork and orders and stuff. I just kind of like used to go to hostels and sometimes you'd see them like struggling a bit with the amount of people and just speaking English was hard, I think, in a lot of places. Um, if you think about it as well, like Guatemala, like 70 percent of it is in poverty. It's a developing country. So, you know, their development or what they may have on hand in in accommodations and stuff like that wouldn't be like you would find in Europe or you know what I mean? So you have to be more patient because this hostel in particular, they only had like I don't even think they had they had a tiny little calculator or or maybe the, maybe we were even doing it by hand. I'm trying to remember now. And just like a small little booklet where we would write down the sums and what person bought what. And it's it's hard for them, you know. So I kind of offered my help and I didn't mind, you know. And people actually thought I was working there then. It was so funny. But sure, it was grand. And the next day then I did the tour for them. So we got into our tubes. Um, so if anybody doesn't know, it's like, you know, those rubber kind of circular things in the water (laughs) trying to explain it and basically like it's called tubing so you hop into it you sit down and you just float down the river but yeah we had a grand laugh it was so funny and yeah it was like my first tour I did do tours in other countries as well I ended up just doing them by chance people were stuck for translating or whatever and I was like yeah I'll do it and my Spanish wasn't like I was only just speaking Spanish or I hadn't a clue what I was saying half the time and I'm still guessing all the time, you know what I mean? <laughs> but um, yeah, I just kind of pulled it off and I was teaching them all about the Mayan history and the caves and, you know, sacred animals and sacred lands. And yeah, just really interesting. And at the same time, you're just laughing your head off because your tube has gone all over the place. And I was just like, how do I turn? How do I turn? And yeah, just roaring out in Spanish and English and all sorts. And yeah, we had a great day out though. And like just another thing as well, like it was so funny. One of the guys in the hostel and a few of the other lads, they went down to the town, you know, because you'd climb up these like mountain kind of jungle ridges where your hostel would be. But to get back to the town, it was like kind of a trek, you know, it's very mountainous. So you have to have energy and it's so hot as well. So we were kind of lazing about in the pool at the hostel and all these boys went down to the town and when they come back, the stories they had, one of them was after giving like a few of the local, we'll say women that were selling fresh produce or fresh fruits. He was like, how much for your fruit or whatever? And she's like, you know, one dollar or something like that. And he gives her like, you know, fifty dollars and the whole town. It was so funny. I couldn't believe the story. I was like, that was the nicest thing somebody could have done. He he bought her whole like fruit um shop, basically. And yeah, it was just an amazing story. And I thought how kind like that, that must have made that woman's whole year, like, you know, not just buying a banana, bananas for one dollar, like he bought the whole fruit shop. (laughs) So funny, like, but just it's just an amazing thing when you come from, say, if you're coming from a developed nation and you go down into these countries that are developing, like giving gestures like that means the world to them. And as I've explained recently, like, the way food is distributed around the world and the way food is um, imported and exported, like it's really unjust how the whole planet is surviving off of, you know, food that could like we could actually feed the whole world. Yet we're not. And we have so much in excess and so much in waste. And like there's people out there starving, there's people dying. And it's very sad, but it's a reality, you know, and like in this way when we do gestures like this 
that literally makes somebody's like day or their year even. I would say as well about traveling, you know, I guess the majority of people may take packaged holidays or kind of go to places where they know. But when you go into these countries that maybe don't see as many tourists and I can tell you, you will be safe like I did it alone and I managed. Just think about where you're choosing to stay, who you're choosing to support, you know. Because you can choose like eco-tourism over like the normal package holiday. You can choose to go on a holiday. I know everybody wants to relax, but at the same time, giving back, it actually gives you energy as well. And it's something that like really fills up your, your heart, like your soul, um, like volunteering or helping others. Like it works both ways. You make them happy and you make yourself happy. And it's just amazing, you know, to do that. So when you are like looking at holidays or travel again, when the time is right, um, have a think about maybe volunteerism where you could do part volunteering for your, your journey or something like that. And also think about like who you're supporting when you travel, like go to the local people. Like I always did that. Like I always ate where the locals were. Like the minute I got to a place, I was like, where are the locals eating? And as well, like not only that, but you do save a lot, you know, and like I don't know it would kill me to go to a restaurant with like I don't know that's like European or something like it, it, for me it wouldn't make sense like I, I would rather go and sit and eat with the locals and chat with them and get to know their stories and I, I just loved that you know and just the way they live as well it's just so different and so beautiful and I just found they had the kindest hearts you know like especially there as well like I'd get my dinner for like three dollars or two dollars and like sometimes there's so much food that I'd be like can I just you know give that to somebody else or package it up and bring it away um rather than going to somewhere that's designed for a tourist or European or American cuisine like you're getting so much more and you're giving so much back to the local producers as well because the food wouldn't be imported either you know so after some I went on for passed through Guatemala City and into Antigua. So Antigua is actually a city that is surrounded by volcanoes. So it's super cool. Like the hostel I stayed in there, I'd get up in the morning and I'd go for my yoga on the rooftop and you can see the volcanoes like around the city. It's like, oh, it's super beautiful. And as well, the town is like full of Spanish colonial buildings and just cobbled streets and just very very pretty and colourful and the restaurants there are lovely and again you'll find it to be quite catered for a traveller or a tourist like if you're kind of you don't want to end up in like the middle of nowhere not knowing anything like this Antigua really is catered for you know people coming in travelling and all that sort of stuff. When I saw the volcanoes, I was like, I'm definitely going up a volcano. <laughs> but the volcano I went up was called Acatenango. And it's just under 4,000 metres. And in front of Acatenango, you have Volcán de Fuego, which is actually active. And oh my, like the eruptions, it's consistently active. So it's actually spouting the whole time. And when we started our hike in the morning... It took about maybe four, four or five hours to get to the first kind of level. So it was kind of a two day hike um, where we were going camping the first night. And, you know, we were halfway up and 
we're all like what's that noise and like if you think about like a cough or a dog barking I don't even know how to describe it it's like (coughs) excuse my um I'm trying to make the sound but I'm like how can you describe it but it was just like choking and like nobody knew what it was and then the guide was like yep that's the volcano and I was like what she's she gonna flow down like all that lava because it has a deadly past like it has wrecked havoc on the towns nearby and killed many many people over the years and I think it's had like about I don't know 70 eruptions or so so it's pretty uh yeah it's pretty potent we got to the first kind of uh stop um about 4 or 5 p.m that day and we had our tents uh, kind of ready for us and our beds and our blankets and loads of kind of chairs. And it was just like the most mesmerizing view you could ever imagine. Like we sat in the evening on these chairs overlooking this erupting volcano and our our guide or our guides cooked up some pasta with sauce and uh, some red wine, I think. And yeah, it was just amazing to be wrapped in blankets watching Mother Earth just boiling up below and just incredibly uh, just moving, you know, like I, I didn't have words to describe it, you know, when you when you see such a sight, all this red ash flying up into the sky, sometimes goes up for kilometers. And there was actually people the night we were there, there was people walking up the side of it. I was like, What? I couldn't believe it and you can imagine we were like on the opposing volcano with the view in front but there was actually people walking up the side and you could see all the red the red kind of lava coming out and then you could see them like running back down the mountain because they obviously realized okay like it's spouting heavily like more heavily as time went on when we returned uh the next evening Um, we were advised that they had stopped tours because she had spouted so heavily that it actually became dangerous so during the year like they have to call off their tours or the hiking up because it becomes too dangerous but yeah but that night like it was freezing oh my god I remember being in the bed like I barely slept because one the choking I was yeah I was even nervous thinking like you don't know with an active volcano like they can go off whenever they want you know it's up to them again like as I say mother nature like she's in charge not not us so yeah it's risky doing things like that but I guess I trusted the guides and (laughs) my legs to run far we went up to the summit then the next morning at about 4 or 5 a.m again and it was pitch black and we had these torches on our heads and yeah we were fine but it was uh yeah kind of had a quick coffee in the morning and tried my best to have energy to to climb again because the first day was pretty tough on the quads and mine were locking a lot I think because um I didn't bring any hiking poles either so I would advise that if you're going up big volcanoes or high altitudes get poles because everybody else had them and I think they really benefit you you know so yeah we got to the summit then and as I said it's just about 4,000 meters and you get to see the whole of Antigua you get to see all these other volcanoes around Strato volcanoes and as the sun rises you have all these colors like purple blue pink yellow um, just amidst the horizon and it's absolutely beautiful like so spectacular you can't imagine and yeah I'm, I'm I'm still here with no words trying to explain it you know the last kind of final 
thing I did in Guatemala was a yoga retreat. Um, this was back in October 2018. Yeah, it was about three days long and it was the best sleep I had on my whole trip. You know, we were staying in these huts in the in the forests and I literally was sleeping like we had no electricity. So you just go to sleep when it gets dark. Um, you're, you're up in your bedroom at about eight or nine. You're, you're just conked out from doing yoga all day and breathing and yeah breath work and dance sessions and then you um yeah you get up again at like half five or six and you have the monkeys going off and yeah but you know this isn't for everybody you know like the toilets are in the wild in the jungle like obviously they're made up they're huts as well but it's compost and you know this kind of living but for a few days you can manage it the showers as well have the most beautiful views over the lake so this is actually located in lake atitlan and again, this is a very, very popular place for travellers. But it was so funny because it was my birthday and the night I arrived, it was like a silent night and nobody was speaking at dinner. So like nobody knew it was my birthday <laughs> and I kind of had to like just stay quiet about it and not really have a birthday. I just had it in my head. But um, it was funny because when I was checking out the yoga retreat accommodation, they were like, oh, it was your birthday. Why didn't you say anything? And I was like, um, well, it was a, a silent retreat, a silent, uh, a silent night. So I didn't want to interrupt the flow, you know. But again, it was it was just a beautiful experience. And I loved how, you know, when we would have our dinners and our meal times, we would show gratitude for the meals. We would show gratitude to the people who made them, the local ladies who do tremendous work um, growing all the vegetables and sourcing them and taking care of them and making the most delicious food. Lake Atitlan actually was formed from a volcano so it became like a crater and filled up with water so it's fresh water but again they're having environmental issues there because year on year they're experiencing an increase on algae and on one such year there the whole lake actually filled up with algae and you could see it from the NASA satellites you know station you could see it as imagery from there like how crazy is that so again like that provides the locals with fresh water and is so important for their livelihoods because unlike developed nations you can't just like go and fix something or get a solution as quickly because money isn't a real question there like people are living in poverty so it's very serious so the biggest thing we can do to help is manage and observe our consumption patterns and make conscious choices as i said last week the palm oil industry is just colossal and it's just benefiting a few at the top and it's destroying rainforests which are home to our biodiversity of the planet like it's so important you look at the amazon the amazon houses 10 percent of all biodiversity across the planet about three million species you look at central america the rainforest there central america houses seven percent of the world's biodiversity and these land masses are are small but they house so much biodiversity and it's so unfair that like you know people at the top just a few are like ripping these lands apart our beautiful earth um just for profits for a small few so what we can do is we take our power back and we make better choices with our consumption so like in guatemala about 43 percent of the population are working in agriculture and this is mainly exporting like coffee bananas sugar 
but like what these people at the top are doing governments or whatever they're trying to practice monoculture so they'll plant one single crop such as like the african palm or the sugar cane and then like all of this would be exported into our products and it's just it's a horrible industry we need to show up what's going on like it needs to become visible to all you may go to the shop and buy a cream or buy a packet of something and you don't think twice you know but actually at the end of the chain you're really affecting somebody's life and to be honest most of the stuff we're buying we don't even need we do not need it so like I think now during this pandemic that we have there's there's a lot of time available for us to change our habits we were able to change our habits very quickly and very swiftly last year so I think we can do it as well for the climate crisis we're in we are in an emergency and it's very important that we take action now because one it's not fair on the earth two it's not fair on anybody really on the species here and even on the future generations to be left with this to clean up And, you know, if you've listened this far into the podcast and you're still listening, then, you know, I really admire you for doing that because a lot of us are sleeping and we we would like to stay asleep and not see what's going on. But it's so important that we're awake to this and we can help others. And it's such a beautiful thing when we can be proactive and take action now. So this week, some of my tips would be, can you watch your diet Can you kind of observe what you're eating? This goes for meat consumption as well as uh, dairy, as well as like processed food. Because as I said about the palm oil, like a lot of this is appearing in processed food. And by right, really, like we should be eating natural food. We should be eating what it looks like from the earth. Like when I see an ingredients list and there's 20 things on it, I'm like, I'm not eating that. Because that goes into your body, into every single cell of your body, every single atom. And we have to understand that our bodies are synthesizing this into our bloodstream. It's all processed into our body. And I certainly don't want chemicals or man-made stuff in my body. So I'm very conscious of that. And that is, again, why I say to people, you know, try and grow your own stuff or support local farmers or whatever you can do. Because it's it's not real food. Could you try perhaps a meatless day per week or could you try incorporate a plant-based meal um, into your diet and kind of explore a bit vegetables and try to choose in season and it's really simple like you can look up online what's in season and what month at what time of the year I know in Ireland the summer season summer season is fab because we've so much variety so much on our plates and I know in winter there's there's a lot less but say for example if imports were suddenly stopped like we need to have the knowledge to know that we can sustain ourselves you know like there'd be no such thing as blueberries or avocados or well I mean unless you have heated equipment and all of that but naturally occurring in the environment or like it wouldn't happen here a very interesting and alarming statistic is that we along with the animals we domesticate for our diets make up 96% of the biomass and the rest the 4% are wild so I think we're at about 36% humans on the earth and the rest the 60% are all the animals we're basically raising for consumption so cattle chickens you know all of this so again what I would say is watch your meat consumption 
I know people find it so hard to change. Like, I understand that. Like, humans are designed for habit. I get that. It's really hard for people to get out of their comfort zone. But we have to become conscious of our choices. So, say if you're eating red meat a lot, can you try a white meat? Can you change to something else? Uh, Can you introduce some plant-based meals? Um, Again, the biggest one, obviously, is the cattle. The cattle ranches, they're clearing for the rainforest. So... That would be the biggest one I would say to step back from if you can. And also, I suppose I should mention about the fish. The fish stocks are heavily overfished. And they're actually saying now that like we may not have any fish there in 2040s or up to 2050s. So it really is a time that we need to change now. Like we have we have the capacity to change now and reverse if we can, you know. So that's why it's important that we know now rather than end up with this disaster. Um, but most fish stocks are have been overfished and seriously threatened. Um, I would definitely not choose cod as that is seriously overfished in the Atlantic. And what I would say to people is since we have um, removed a lot of the larger fish in the marine life food chain is if you are choosing fish, choose the smaller ones, choose the ones at the end of the food chain, like the herring, the sardine, because what's happened is that you have the guys at the bottom, plankton, zooplankton, and then you have guys in the middle and then you have the larger predators like sharks, bluefin, tuna, swordfish. But what happens when we as humans pull out the guys in the middle, the guys at the top have nothing to eat. Like they can't eat the plankton. They can't. So it's so important. This is why food chains are so important because it just moves up, you know, like the baby and then the next one eats that and then the next larger one eats that so when humans come in and we disrupt that chain it's literally wrecking havoc on the ecosystem and it goes out of balance and everything gets disproportionately yeah imbalanced and it collapses i understand guys that this information is heavy so i'll kind of like leave it at that but like just this week focus on what you can do i know it's a little bit overwhelming but just focus on perhaps changing to a new plant-based meal or you could maybe cut the dairy for say if you're drinking a lot of milk you could cut it for like a non-dairy based milk like the market is full of them you could try that maybe and you know there's also like you can get non-dairy cheese like there's so many options so just be aware about this like we're not limited the options are there it's just the choice has to be made another great choice we can all make this month Say if you have a partner and you're thinking about Valentine's Day and you're thinking about flowers because obviously the media and marketing and all of that supermarkets are going to be forcing this upon you. How about choosing a plant? It is an amazing way to, yeah, show love to your partner, but also to give back to the planet. You know, like you buy flowers, they're already dead and they're just going to go in the ground or the bin. And it's not really helping anyone, really. They just last for a little bit. And it's it's again that throwaway culture. It's like we buy something and it's 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 great news for a week. And then it's like, buy, get the new thing. But like in this way, when we buy a plant, it's alive, it's living. You can care for it. You can actually get ones that you don't even, you know, if you don't, if you think, oh, I don't have time on my hands, you know, sometimes they just require some water every now and again, you know, depending on the plant species. But like, I think that's so lovely. And as well, like, say, if you are giving it to your partner or even yourself or your friend or whoever, you can watch that plant 
for years for months however long you have it and you can watch it bloom and it's living and it'll always be a sign of you know love or care that you've given to somebody or yourself or you know your love for the earth so that's just a final point and I think it's a great um piece of action that you can do again just a big thank you to the patreon community I put up some videos this week on Belize and I also put up some of my farm updates so what I'm getting up to on the farm so if you want to watch behind the scenes you'll find those videos there and just again thank you so much for your support I I really appreciate it if you found this episode helpful feel free to share it it really helps me and the ratings online so I'm wishing you all a lovely day guys and loads of positive vibes and loads of positive steps in the right way and we'll get there step by step we'll get there have a gorgeous day bye guys <laughs>